Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write us a review and rate us on iTunes, as it will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk, where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, then I'd love to hear from them, so please reach out via Facebook or an email, as I'd love to answer any questions. My email is occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com, or you can also contact me on Facebook. Hope you enjoy it. In today's episode, we will be kicking off a new series of four episodes where we are exploring the ceremonial or magical tools of the magician. In last the last episode I recorded um, was just an introduction to this series and very much focused on just setting the scene. So if you haven't listened to that, then I would recommend going back to that before you listen to these ones. In today's episode, we will be looking at the magical sword or knife of the east, also known as the air dagger. This symbolizes air, it's Raphael, it's healing, and under the presidency of the Hebrew letter Vau and the sword of the tarot as well. The air dagger of the east is different to the sword which you sit see under uh, the Sephira Geburah on the Kabbalistic Tree of Life, which is more kind of associated with strength and defence and destruction. Um, before we go into it, I wanted to talk a bit about the background to swords and blades, though. So it's obviously likely that the origin of knives and swords, etc., is you know, it's probably very much related to the whole sword making and the metallurgy process. So, um, you know, through the fires of forge, um, a, a lump of rock is transformed into this shining silver object which can cut things. Taking this further, then we could also consider that, you know, it would have taken an enormous amount of skill and resources to actually craft a sword or a blade from a piece of rock. So this was a kind of very carefully guarded secret. Obviously, blacksmiths would have been incredibly valued people within the community. And, you know, the swordsmith would have had to understand you know, different temperatures, when to apply carbon, um, you know, fixing and quenching a blade. And and also, you know, there's various different um, ceremonies and rites as well around the world. So, for instance, in Japan, you, you've got these ancient rites involved around creating swords, etc. There's lots of, obviously, archetypal figures in mythology related to it as well. So you have characters like Wayland Smithy, there's Hephaestus as well. So... There's a huge amount of it, of history, mythology and symbolism already wrapped around the concept of the blade. And if we look at it through history as well, there's a lots of different um, examples from you know mythology as well. So, for example, we've got Excalibur, which is in uh, King Arthur and, you know, the sword in the stone and the sword being possessed by the Lady of the Lake, which obviously has other connotations as well. With regards to Excalibur, the um, scabbard allegedly had powers, so as they had the ability to 
protect Arthur from blood loss. Um, so obviously you've got this combination of the sword or the blade is for cutting or, or you know, potentially killing your enemies. But then the scabbard actually has this kind of healing property. So, you know, very kind of deep, um, deep mysteries within that. You also have the sword of Zolfigur as well, which is meant to have been brought uh, by the lords uh, of Lord of Angels and given to Muhammad. There is the sword Nandaka, or source of joy, which is one of the several weapons belonging to the Hindu god Vishnu and his avatars. And Vishnu is actually meant to use Nandaka to cut through the darkness of ignorance. And as such, it has become associated with knowledge. Um, so you can imagine this cutting through of light and knowledge through the darkness. There's also other swords, like the sword of Graham, the sword of Charlemagne, and, uh, and other ones as well, which we won't go into details. From a magical perspective, um, swords or air daggers are, in particularly in the Western mystery tradition, are generally used to represent our, our mental or our analytical faculties and also how we deal with the problems we face in the world, as well as discretion and discernment. As you guys probably all know, um, modern society is slightly relentless, so we need to kind of keep our wits about us and you know, mental health, mental balance, mental clarity is extremely important, particularly these days with regards to the, you know, the coronavirus going on at the moment. One famous magical author described uh, swords as the following. Swords can be seen in keen observations and pointed remarks. They can penetrate, decide issues, cut through Gordian knots, compel obedience challenge stupidities and defeat them uphold honor and accomplish a great many actions along these lines swords are also surgical scalpels cutting away disease they are the scythes and pruning shears of the husband man the scissors and needle of the good housewife the lambfoot knife and shears of the shepherd we can send thoughts directly to their mark like arrows. And we should remember that the bow is a type of rod. A sword is two-edged. It slaves, it slays, like most human inventions. In the body, our tongues are swords. They can defend or wound. We are surrounded with swords and arrows to find and make use of us as a single symbol. So that's quite a dated quote, um, and yeah, you can tell obviously because it mentions things like housewives and things like that, which is not very politically correct now. Um, but um, yeah, I just wanted to share it because I think there's some really good concepts within that um, particular piece around um, you know this concept of cutting away disease. There, you know, seeing through things. So this is very much very important in terms of this clarity and the ability to get to the point. The sword is also synonymous with the symbol of the arrow. So we've got the concept of keeping danger at distance. And also if you think about the arrows having a sharp point and feathers, that's also connected with the east because obviously arrows representing the flight of thoughts as well. It's obviously, you know, for defence and attack. But as we saw in that quote, um, you know, a blade can also be used to cut out illness and disease. And that's particularly relevant with the the idea of Excalibur, you know, being fighting, but also protecting the wearer from loss of blood. 
Um, swords or blades can also be used to demarcate a space. For instance, in the Lesser Key of Solomon, um, we have this idea of marking out a circle with iron as spirits are meant to be fearful of the metal. And and so, yeah, it's very much this concept of, of creating an, a mental space as well as a physical space with that sword. So kind of this clarity of creating a clear place for that inner work to occur. And that's something that Crowley talked about um, in terms of this ability to kind of see through our own bullshit and cut to the truth of the matter when he said the following... Whosoever take the sword shall perish by the sword is not a mystical threat, but a mystical promise. It is our own complexity that must be destroyed. And Lewis Carroll also wrote something that was similar when they said, One, two, one, two, and through and through, the vorpal blade went snickersnack. And that's from Alice in Wonderland. So just think it's quite... Um, it's quite a good idea that you know you've got this concept of you know we're building up these illusions about ourselves constantly you know constantly lying to ourselves about what we can do and often it can be you know negative as well so it can be that we could actually do something but you build up a perception that you don't have the ability you're not strong enough you're not good looking enough you're not um rich enough you're too old etc etc so there's lots of excuses you can uh, tell yourself and build up these um, illusions around yourself and part of this concept of mental clarity and represented by the power of air is it's like a almost like imagine an airstorm that's going to go just blast through and blow away those illusions that you've attached to yourself and you can actually start to see things as they really are and see yourself as you really are as well and that's something that William Gray who was an amazing um, magical author who lived in Cheltenham in the UK um, expresses quite well when he in his book Temple Magic when he says the following the sword signifies the control I need to keep over my own ill conduct and the sharp supervision I would expect my spiritual superiors to maintain over me. I know that we humans have a negligent attitude and can seldom keep fully awake and alert to all the perils we encounter on our paths through life. Let me hope that the sword of God will prick me to full wakefulness at moments of danger and inspire me how to deal with it inside myself. If I can be confident that I can fully trust a finer sword than mine to fight for me in preservation of the principles I seek to serve with honour, then I shall strive with all my strength of soul until the end of everything. If I can see the mark at which to aim the arrows of my noblest intentions, then I will fire them frequently in that direction, in the hope of hitting what may help me most. Now let this symbol of a sword suffice to stir me spiritually, so that I shall look for truth and keep on questing for it everywhere. And that's a nice quote from William Gray, Temple Magic. So what he's saying there is, 
you know, it's implying this idea of a sword is both protection, healing, but it's also got this kind of energizing um, function in terms of alertness. So think about the air, the dawn. It's the time of day when we're most alert, and you know, we're kind of struggling out of bed. And at the bird song, particularly in the summer when it's uh, very early, and you've got um, it's this kind of alert energy. It's this very kind of powerful newness, springtime, etc. Like the other elements, the east is obviously, you know, the dawn, um, as I just mentioned, and springtime. So, you know, it's all these kind of new beginnings, dawn, but also life renewing and new life waking from the sleep of winter. So if you think about the the different directions as representing time as well as particular things. So, so obviously we have new birth in the east and then that would swing around to kind of youth in the south and then it goes into kind of more middle age I suppose and then to kind of old age and death in the north so that's quite a good way of looking at how those kind of energies would work um with regards to the Western Mystery tradition, obviously magical as magic as well. Um, you know, there's lots of different swords or blades that have been used before. So Crowley mentions a hilt, a sword which has a hilt with twin crescent moons around a central orb. Um, you also have different cabalistic swords as well, um, which potentially would have you know the names of the god of the of the tree of life on there. So you'd have Shaddai El Chai which is the um, sphere of the uh, the element of air, and Raphael symbolising the east. And also, you've obviously got the white and black handled knife of Solomon as well, so there's kind of a, a quite a few different versions of this. In terms of actually getting in touch with this energy, um, you know, there's lots of different things you can do. So obviously, you know, a great thing to do actually is just to go out there and you know find a, a high hill or a mountain if you can and stand up there and just kind of really feel that energy feel that wind blowing through you and try and kind of let yourself be carried up up with it if you find somewhere really high up often you can find that you can just lean into the wind and that's a really good way of kind of experiencing this fast um, powerful energy of air that's that's flowing through you um William Gray also mentions a couple of exercises which are quite interesting um, where, for instance, he talks about drawing pentagrams in the air with a, a sword and you chant for each side. So it'd be one, two, three, four, five. And then you end with a hum in the centre. So it's one, two, three, four, five. Hum, one, two, three, four, five. Hum. Um, I've tried that exercise. It is quite good, actually, in terms of getting that kind of accuracy. So if you think about this, the power of the sword is very much connected with this kind of mental acuity. And so anything like that that's kind of very mental, very highly focused, highly detailed and quick, that is kind of the essence you're looking for if you want to try and embrace this kind of energy. One of the other exercises he talks about is thrusting a sword through a targeted tiny hole as well. So similar to the jousting game from the medieval period, which is known as tilting at the ring, in which a horseman would 
ride at full gallop and put the lance through a series of small metal rings. Um, so in this exercise, the aim is to actually target the sword straight through the ring and back again. And it's not about the physical action of it, although that is part of it. The, the real kind of focus of this is, is this, as I said before, what's that doing for you mentally? What does that action do for you internally? That's the, the really important bit. And that's what it is. It's a state of mind. It's a power. So it's a power of us focusing a specific energy, which we then kind of let go. So it's focus, let go. Focus, let go. And I think that's what was meant by the samurai master Yaghu Munonori when he said the following. Throw down your sword is also an art of war. If you attain the mastery of swordlessness, you'll never lack for a sword. The opponent's sword is your sword. This is acting at the vanguard of the moment. So this is the concept of, you know, when we've internalised the sword, you don't need a sword because it's already, already got one, essentially. So, um, so yeah that's all we've got time for today i hope everyone's enjoyed this episode next week we will be focusing on the the rod of the south or the fire wand so i hope people can join me for that where we will talk a bit more about the south and the fire thanks very much for joining us this week on the podcast hope you've enjoyed it please make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show so you'll never miss one and or you can also email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com um, if you've got any questions I'd love to hear from you and obviously please uh, leave a review or write, do a rating if you can because it just helps us to get this message out there thanks everybody and good night friend of mine your vision is divine